Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. For me, it was, I came to the U.S. Uh, my family didn't come with me. And so I just came for study and... And so for me, it was uh, understanding the differences between the Western culture and the, and the Chinese culture. Um, and I think at that time also, there was such a boom um, of social media itself. So to understand yourself within that world um, was a lot to take in, I think, definitely. And, um, and so I started... As I was starting my computer science degree, I started meditation and I realized that like I have to craft my own path throughout all of it um, because uh, all of the opportunities I was getting um, was all very wide range. And I would say also uh, it encouraged a side of me that was very adventurous and and willing to take risks, which I haven't seen before at all. So that side of me that was creative was so hidden, I, I would say until like I graduated college and started working. Uh, and so that was really strange for me to see and also very exciting to explore also. How you day, how you day. That was the voice of Laurel Lau. And what a voice she is. She has... A dynamic story of being an immigrant, a third culture kid, someone that has really seen the world through unique lenses and wanted to bring East and West together. We dive into her philosophies of what she believes each side of the world can learn from each other, what digital nomad life is like, and how to create an innovative culture. Really, really fun stuff. And uh, I think you should also check out her LinkedIn as well as her book, which I will put in the show notes. As far as updates, the same still remains. UID Collective is still live and available, and I'm hearing a lot from you who have signed up to it. Thank you so much for signing up to the membership platform. UID Collective is a cultural competency membership platform for you to improve your ability to connect effectively across cultures. And I will also put that in the show notes. It's you know it's it's something that you can. Sign up with your friends, sign up individually, sign up with your school or your company, and they have a bunch of resources there for you. So I hope you continue to check it out and spread the word. But for now, enjoy the episode. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of As Told by Nomads, and today's guest is Laurel Lau. Laurel is a digital nomad and executive coach, as well as uh, the founder of Six Atlas, where she activates organizations to disrupt stagnant business models and take advantage of innovation for immediate impact and competitive advantage. Born in Hong Kong, but educated in the United States, Laurel has spent her life navigating changing environments and cultural expectations. Her mission today of helping organizations shift and adjust against rapid innovation and changing technology was largely shaped by her lifelong journey of constantly shifting to fit in and best contribute to her colleagues, her employer, or country in which she found herself. Laurel found clarity at the age of 22, or I'm actually very interested in this, and carved her own path to discover as much as she could about the human mind and conscious leadership. Leveraging both to successfully manage a team of organization as well as facing a disruptive market. Welcome to the show, Laurel. Thanks for having me. As I was reading your intro, there are many insights that I was finding that I really wanted to touch on immediately. But the first thing that I think would be good 
for you to help the audience understand your mindset is basically talking about how you got into what you got into. And I would love for you to start off with your early childhood experiences and how you saw the world. And then maybe walk up to that part where you got to 22, where you made, made that decision to carve your own path. Sure. Um, yeah. Excited to be here. Uh, happy to be chatting with you. Uh, I'll start with the childhood. Uh, oh, wow. Like, I'm from Hong Kong originally, so Chinese parents. Um, and I am a super creative child. And I think my parents probably had a lot of time problem dealing with me because I went to two kindergartens when I was young um, and I just was super creative and never felt that what I was doing was engaging myself enough and so I poured myself into hobbies throughout uh, my childhood my teenage years and I would get so much energy from it but there would be absolutely things I just hate and do not like from school uh, and, and from and from the way that we've been taught to think. Uh, and I felt that there was a side that was very restrictive that I didn't get to explore. And also in Hong Kong, when you're growing up, you're mostly indoors. So kind of like in quarantine time now, when people are... Uh, indoors and being isolated in a way I had the time to explore what I was interested in also and that was like the exploration of the human mind itself so I started reading about psychology I think at the age of 11 and uh, I started to listen to like Oprah and all these leaders from around the globe uh, when I was like a young teenager. So I was very much interested in what the possibility of the world could be. And um, and so that's how I got into engineering and how I got into innovation when I was studying college. Um, but I saw that there was still an aspect of what people didn't agree on what was creativity in itself. And I I, I saw that there was a limitation of how we've we've been taught to think. And so I saw that there was conflict within myself that I had to resolve. So I started meditation and that's kind of what brought around the change uh, at around 22. It's interesting hearing you talk because for me, that experience that you had at 22, I had at 17 when I was first coming to the United States. I had just finished high school and I remember saying to myself the same sort of things where, like you, I was always this creative kid, but, you know, I'm, I'm from Nigeria and I don't know if it's, it's similar uh, to having, um, you know, growing up in Hong Kong or having Chinese parents where you have certain expectations that you're supposed to grow up, you know, in. For me, it was lawyer, doctor, engineer or failure. <laughs> and I, I always had this creative idea to want to impact the world in a different way. From the traditional and like you you know oprah winfrey is a big influence of mine and so was the late nelson mandela and i was always interested in ways to disrupt the way the world thought because i thought that that meant that that actually gave access to people's full spectrum of their humanity and i thought that the way the world works still do uh limits people's potential and it, it, it's been interesting hearing you say that when you explore the human mind and you explore your connections you you do feel like People are not tapping into, you know, their full, I guess, brains or their, their full selves. And uh, I'm very curious to see how you then turned that into a career. Great. Um, well, I I have a question for you. Oh, um, when you so you were talking about how you came, uh, how you got to New York and uh, and that started the shift itself and what you experienced there. Um, can you mention like the changing point for you? Well, it was in New York. I came to America when I first, when I first moved to America, it was for school and it was in Virginia. Right. And I went, I went to school in Virginia. I moved to New York in 2013 and I moved to Virginia in 2007. But the shift for me was, you know, growing up as the son of a diplomat, 
you move around a lot and it's hard for you to feel like you can be yourself in different countries because you know you're never quite enough and you're trying to fit in and at at a young age one of the things you don't want to do at least things you're taught uh, is not to stand out specifically in you know when you're growing up in different cultures i didn't want to stand out for the wrong reasons because i didn't feel confident enough being myself and you know a lot of people weren't used to taking that but when i was 17 i just graduated from boarding school and i had gotten frustrated with the idea of trying to fit into everyone's idea of who i should be and i just accepted the fact that i was multiple things and, you know i was Nigerian, I was this, I was black, I was, uh, I am black rather, I'm black, I'm Nigerian, and I have all these competing experiences due to my exposure, and it was okay to express that, regardless of whether other people thought that that was too much. So it's a, a certain comfort with being myself, and that led me down the path of telling my stories more and more with more confidence and, you know, launching platforms to allow others to do the same. Amazing. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I would say there is a similarity in that experience itself. Um, but I, for me, it was, I came to us, uh, my family didn't come with me. And so I just came for study. And, and so for me, it was uh, understanding the differences between the Western culture and the and the Chinese culture. Um, and I think at that time also, there was such a boom um, of social media itself. So to understand yourself within that world um, was a lot to take in, I think, definitely. And, um, and so I started, as I was starting my computer science degree, I started meditation and I realized that like I have to craft my own path throughout all of it um, because uh, all of the opportunities I was getting um, was all very wide range. And I would say also uh, it encouraged a side of me that was very adventurous and, and willing to take risks, which I haven't seen before at all. So that side of me that was creative was so hidden I would say until like I graduated college and started working. Uh, and so that was really strange for me to see and also very exciting to explore also. And so um, in that way, I understood that I have to carve my own path, that I have to run my own experience and understanding what, um, what I was meant to do. And uh, I spent time in South Korea and Argentina doing uh going to meditation camps and farming camps out of all things uh to just understand like something completely foreign and different for my life so that i can have more of a worldview that i feel i was lacking and didn't yeah didn't have a sensibility to so your exploration of self led to exploration of the world yeah i would say so yeah. And yeah. And it's it's a sense of finding your connection. For me, finding the connection with the land itself is very important for my work with the people because I I if I didn't see what was required um for that level of um for that level of connection with the place itself, the country or the land, um, it's hard to do with the work with the people because you, uh, we're we've grown up in cities, and so uh, if you continue that path of of living without a village, um, you lose that sensibility of what is what is common sense almost. Well, let's talk about your work with the people uh, then. What do you do when you're working with people and organizations now? Yeah, so I tell people that I do, I run innovation programs, and that's that's definitely the framework that I, I, I provide for companies, right? And so I help organizational leaders uh, agree on long-term planning. So right now we're running a project in China uh, for a medium-sized company on improving their supply chain. So definitely it's very 
business-focused problems, solving bottlenecks, improving efficiencies. But in the midst of all of it, I, our team is also aligning the leadership and culture for the problem that they're trying to solve, right? And so it's understanding um, understanding the viewpoints of the employees, the managers, and the stakeholders, uh, but then also being able to understand the history of the company and be able to kind of almost go back in time and switch it a little bit and be able to reassess where it needs to go for the future. It's great. No, I, I love that. And this is something that I geek out on. So I, I want to uh, go about this in two ways. First thing I want to talk about is your conscious leadership training. I know that you have tips for creating a more innovative culture in, in a way to improve employee engagement. So let's tackle that first, and then I'll dive into the second thing I want to talk about right after that. Sure. So solving the problem of innovation culture itself. Uh, well, at the beginning, it's always about understanding uh, understanding why the innovation is important for the company itself and getting very honest feedback from uh, the execs of where uh, where the company's at. And if you don't have the true data, if you don't have the, the honest stories, you can't actually uh, go forward with deciding what is the strategy that's right. And you won't be able to get everyone's support if you don't uh, get managers' input or uh, uh, whoever's involved to ca- uh, catalyze the the program itself. And so uh, what I haven't told people a lot about is that even though I might run the same framework as other people, um, the the opportunity of working with uh, people who more vocal about, I think, emotional intelligence itself and, and willing to take the time to teach people how to work together in that collective intelligence is that there are you need to be uh, the facilitator itself needs to be able to access um access the company's dna in a way that uh can catapult the company in 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 the right direction in the in the right size of a change um so that you're not you're not driving something that's not sustainable um, because as we know during this pandemic uh, there are so many things that we don't know and there's so many uh, so many parts of the human subconscious mind that we don't know itself and it's it's being able to understand what is the true form of uh, what is the true form of, of the company's mission forward um, of of the impact it's it's willing to take form in, um, then you can kind of recalibrate what is required and how teams should work together and uh, how leadership uh, should should, uh, lead the team itself. I couldn't agree more. I think collecting data is more important now than ever, especially in a virtual environment. And if you're talking about tapping into a company's DNA, if you want to improve employee engagement, and really boost an innovative culture, you're right. You have to really get to the emotional core of who you're leading, as well as the professional core. I mean, those things go hand in hand. And if you're gonna get into the mind of of an employee to make sure that person feels happy and feels like there's growth potential, there has to be an ability for you to help them feel seen, heard, and understood. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so you said tapping into the DNA, collecting data. What other tips do you have for creating a more innovative culture? So in starting with the why itself, you understand what you're working with. Um, you make sure people are feel heard. But then the next step is definitely being able to change the story itself uh, of where, where the company is at and where the company can go. Uh, so... This requires uh, the top management or whoever's catalyzing this uh, program to be able to uh, to 
verbalize, communicate uh, the situation where you're at um, and also the history of the company differently so that you, you can communicate the values in a new way that people can relate to this time yeah. um, and have the energy to actually move forward uh, because because there, if we're if there's not enough momentum, if there's not enough motivation, there is something that's holding it back, right? And most of the time, it's not it's not missing a a, a technical uh, technical. It's not missing something that's technical. Um, most of the time, there's more than enough software that's support, supporting the staff. Uh, to Im- improve their productivity uh, in a working environment, uh, there are these blockages that are not seen and is not heard. And so I think being able to keep tabs on it and be able to change that and uh, reassess and be able to uh, see how to change that story in the employee's mind um, themselves, and that would be able to help them to like take another step forward uh yeah that's what i see no it's, it's very important to have an idea of what stories need to change and you're so good at saying that and i and i love talking to you about this because this also started from a personal point of view for you you know i often say i feel like the work that we're doing sometimes is as much personal as it is professional and with you as i listen to you i i, I hear how you had to come to that point in your life where you personally had to change the story you were telling yourself about what is possible for you. And now you're helping companies do that as well. Yeah. 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 yeah, I think that's just as much as you understand yourself, that's as much you can help other people and your team or your company that you work for. Um, Yeah. So that element of what you experience and how that can actually impact uh, create an impact around you. I think that's very important to be able to grasp. And I think that, uh, I think a lot of times we, we think that we're not doing enough or we think that we're, our minds are not working fast enough or we don't have enough investment or, uh, or, or the app's not working, uh, efficiently enough or the marketing budget is not enough whatever the excuse we're giving ourselves that it's actually a distraction from, uh, I would say, I would say distraction from understanding that we can process so much more if we just actually allow ourselves the time to. And uh, I think currently this is a such a good opportunity for companies to readjust and understand how people work best uh, because the, these are odd circumstances uh, yeah. for for a lot of people yeah. and odd circumstances for companies also. But there's people get stressed not not because they cannot handle it, but the the way that we've been taught to process all that we have to do um, or our free time is it's. I think it's wrong. So um, there's just an opportunity to be able to change that. Another thing that you said there was an opportunity for, and this is me looking into the work you do, you said there's an opportunity for the East to learn from the West and the West to learn from the East. And I very much agree with this because I think what happens with COVID-19 is you're seeing firsthand what it's like for collectivist world and individualist world to work, you know, (laughs) uh, basically you're seeing both principles and how they approach problems. And a lot of times when you go from me-centered to we-centered, it's interesting to see if there's some nuance where both sides can learn from each other. I've noted, I live in New York, as, as you said before the show, and even New York being part of America, you can see as of today recording, there are some states here in the United States that are protesting their civil, uh, their personal freedoms being taken away from them. And on the East, there are, you know, more people seem to be used to the idea of staying indoors and understanding that this is not about them. It is more about, you know, the collective and how we can flatten the curve. 
as it applies to companies, I'm very curious from your perspective when you wrote that on, on LinkedIn, how you feel like organizations can respond with an effective workplace strategy now that we have COVID-19 as an opportunity from us for us to learn from each other to innovate? Uh, I think every company is facing different issues. Uh, so I think there's a different scenario, so it needs to be catered to what scenario that is. Uh, some companies are really slammed with work right now uh, as uh, there, there are more customers and more clients requiring support. Um, and it's in very uh, specific industries such as healthcare. Um, and, and so it's important to understand the, the new challenges that are coming forth. Um, and I would say probably for, so I would say it would be different for uh, the, the scenarios of. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. That there is so much more work um, or there's um, now clients are dropping and canceling orders and um, and and uh, requiring refunds. So it's it's a different scenario. So you need to understand which boat you're on and be able to uh, map out the problems that you're facing and be able to kind of pin down, pin down and strategize like a way forward. So everyone's clear. Uh, the road, uh, the road forward. <laughs> yeah. You know, and if I, if I may add, I, I think one of the principles when we're thinking about East and West and West and East and how each can learn from each other, is really understanding how people can, we keep saying this, uh, be, feel more seen, heard and understood. You know, right now, when you're in a virtual place, there are more companies that have never, ever implemented online solutions before that now have to do that. And so in that process of pivoting, how can team members and colleagues and, and leaders say, hey, we're going to collaborate here and I'm going to help you in a place where you might not feel strong here, but we're, we're doing this for the company goal and for you to feel less, you know, uh, less, you know, overwhelmed. And on the other side, where it's more, you know, in the individualistic side, people can share tips and strategies on how to be alone and find ways to be productive while you're in confinement. And I, I, I honestly feel like there's a huge opportunity for, you know, both sides to teach each other on, on those areas, you know, as it pertains to COVID-19. But that's just my opinion. I don't know if it's... Actually, yeah, I think the, uh, the aspect of thinking, thinking for yourself or for like a greater good, um, that is definitely the part that a lot of people need to uh, have the opportunity of seeing what it means in different culture. Uh, I think uh, I think in Asian culture, we're, we're sort of taught to think uh, with empathy in a way, because you're, what you're doing when you're following rules and uh, following a discipline is out of respect for everyone who's going through the same experience itself. So there's definitely like a respect for what you're practicing towards, whether you're studying, uh, whether you're learning a, a, a new form of uh, martial arts, whatever the discipline is, it's out of respect for, almost the teacher, the students alongside with you. 
and and kind of the community. Um, but of course, like it comes with this rigidness sometimes that if you're not following the same rules, that it's uh, it's it's frowned upon. Um, and what's missing as an element sometimes is the uh, the uh, the openness to be able to uh, express for individuals to express when there is an urgency uh, of a problem emerging, right? But I see that as the same in the West sometimes also. And so, uh, but I think it's now that there's crises emerging around the globe, um, it's not just one pandemic pandemic and that's over um there's just more of like we're all here together and we can't just keep finding things that we don't like about other culture um to 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 kind of separate us like we are far beyond that we should be far beyond that and like i think there's an opportunity to creating more collaboration more beauty um and and uh, find a better way to work together. I, 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 uh, Laurel, you're just on point. I couldn't agree more. I keep saying that I'm, I'm actually working on a case study on this and it's something I've been studying because, you know, I, I, I had to, I've always navigated between both, you know, collectivism and individualism. I, you know, I'm very individualistic, but I come from a collectivist culture and I flex both sides depending on, on what's happened or, or where I am. And so, I think naturally the way we grow up, you just sort of find yourself being able to either code switch or adapt given the circumstances because we we were always put in positions of constant change. And so you find yourself figuring out how to, uh, you know, make sure the environment uh, is is safe enough for everybody to feel like themselves. And uh, that just depends on the energy in the room. So I'm I'm very interested in this. So I'll I'll be studying more. But I, I I'm glad to hear that someone like you who's done the research is validating some thoughts that I've had. <laughs> so uh, thank you for that. I appreciate that. It's very humbling. the The other thing that I wanted to talk about, I said that I had two things I wanted to ask you. This had to do with collaboration and communication in a multi generational workforce. So, how, what are the principles that we can apply to amplify that especially now uh especially now or like be, before in the normal <laughs> well i mean i think this is going to be the new normal i mean we could we could talk about before now and how that might change now uh now we have this but sure i mean we, we can start there and say what happened before maybe we can end with your thoughts on how you think that will change or stay the same right um so i mean let's focus on now i I think that's a better way. I would say, so in multi-generational, you have five generations uh, working in the workforce and there are more and more the young, these younger ones who have, have found new ways to hack the system and find a different way to work. Um, and I think that, um, and I think that that's also true for all generations also, right? And so for the five generation aspect, it's it's the thought that our minds actually work differently because we're born in different times and the consciousness of the world is different at the time that we're born. And so it it's different, almost categories of people, if you will. And on top of that, we are we are taught differently and we learn differently through social media. Um, and I, and for the people who are younger than me, I would say like what it feels like it's for, for every four years, it's a new generation. That's how it feels like. Um, of course, when people um, count the different generations and, and categorize them and, and show the differences, a lot of it, um, what, are showing how people interact differently and communicate differently. And I think that it's out of respect for the experience of the older generation and the flexibility for the younger generations to be able to understand what are the differences and how do we actually collaborate um, for the future. And for me, um, I, I feel that I, for the millennial generation, I'm part of the group that 
is more about um, getting the younger generation to be able to build the new systems of the future world. And it's not necessarily that I'm building the system itself. I'm just um, I'm just finding the resources and building the community and facilitating them to do more than I can. Um, and I don't think that a lot of the startups that we saw uh, that we loved maybe five years, 10 years ago, aren't here anymore. And so it's it's understanding the times are changing still. And so that there's a, a new way of, of life and work that is being required. Yeah, I, I think we are a product of our time, generations are. You know, whether it's, it's you could think of people that were the product of the world wars, you know, World War Two, you know, Great Depression, you, you know, to the the technology boom, the influencer generation. And as a result of that, if you are trying to think about collaboration, that idea of figuring out what respect means to each generation and how flexibility can be applied to each generation is key in terms of communicating the end goal. And and I, I think uh, we were going back to the West and East. I think even the concepts we talked about there where rigidity versus open-mindedness is a spectrum that one needs to be always mindful of with generations as well. Right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so when I was in Australia, uh, I spoke with a professor that uh, built incubator for uh, the native people. And so their entrepreneurship programs that help people build, whether it's health products or agriculture innovations. And it was really interesting to hear how they present. So, uh, so one of the, uh, one of the entrepreneurs would come up on stage, do a presentation and bring the rest of the family and kids like onto stage to pitch at the end. Um, which is hilarious. Uh, and, and the point was to say that they're building for the kids, the future for the kids itself and uh, agri agriculture innovation itself. And so, uh, of course, there's a lot of parts I miss, but uh, the, the point of it is that the different generations absolutely bring different viewpoints, but the aspect that we don't have a village when we're, when our most of our lives is spent living in a city and not have that access to nature itself, the purest form of, a, I would say, creativity, um, that removes us from counting ourselves as part of a food chain um, and uh, food chain of the world um, and, and thinking that we're just like gods um, for, for, for whatever we decide should work, should work. And I think that's created all these problems for right now. And now we have to go back and figure out what went wrong. Yeah, I, th I think you're right. I think what's happened in the last few months, it has really reset our minds and also reset the world. There, there are a lot of things that we've been doing and following a status quo without actually reflecting. And now it's a time for us to rethink things that we've made standards and apply, to use your favorite word here, innovation. How can we innovate? How can we pivot? How can we recreate and come up with new standards and allow for creativity to solve problems that we, we've always had? And I think many times, Unfortunately, we've applied 20th century and 19th century thinking to the 21st century, which is a dangerous thing to think about when you're understanding that the world is not the same as it was, you know, two millennia ago. Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. You, I, I don't know. I, I, I love, I love having this conversation. So it, <laughs> it's, it's always, it's always fun for me to, to wrap uh, with someone that is, is really deeply embedded in this work. But another thing that you are embedded in, whether it was your choice or not, is your nomadic experience. And I wonder if you could talk about that, what it was like navigating the cultures at home. You know, you briefly touched on it, but also when you then decided to be a nomad initially and move around and travel, what were the positives? 
what were the negatives and how did you turn those negatives into something that you could um, understand? Yeah, the positives uh, are definitely experiencing new culture, uh, new food, absolutely. I'm such a foodie. Um, And being able to uh, be in a new place and and find that strength in itself. Um, so I think it's it's always being able to like almost find a new challenge and build strength. So for me, it's being able to experience a culture in a different way. Um, it helps to it helps you to understand yourself better, and um, and it helps you to see your identity clearer and evolve as as it's required. And I think what's good that comes out of it, I have so many stories that I can share with people um, uh, at different points, just to be able to relate to a problem that they're they're experiencing. And sometimes it's with people who are 20, who have 20 years more work experience than I do, right? And I still have stories that are valuable in that situation because I've kind of ran my course in experimenting uh, different cultures and 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 how I relate and how, what role I play in that. Uh, what is bad is that it's really frustrating because you can't be frustrated at the culture itself, right? Like all that is new is uncomfortable um, and it, it can be very exciting initially, but as you need to interact with it and engage with it it's a it's a new challenge that you have not dealt with because you didn't have to deal with it in in the last country you were in for example and so um it's very frustrating it's not easy and you have to find a different way to do the same same thing and and as a 20 year old my personality was changing so it was there was a lot of moving parts, but it allowed me to excel in chaos. So I would say if I was in a digital nomad, I wouldn't have such an easy experience. Um, not easy, but like more more space for me to uh, process what's happening in the world right now and also to be able to... Uh, have the room to create more during this time and 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 still be inspired by amazing people like you and and have the and and be that resilience for other people right and so i think um there are a lot of challenges to being a digital nomad uh but the positives definitely outwin well, thank you, for, thank you for sharing that experience. Uh, but you did say something there. So a lot of positives and you talked about changes and understanding different uh, different ways to do different things. So my follow up to that is what tools have you found that have, you know, helped you to stay productive and helped you to understand those differences? I know mindfulness and meditation is important for you, but what are the things have you done to help you navigate the I guess the the constantly changing environment uh, as a digital nomad. Right, I work very well when there's big projects. Mm. Uh, so I'm I'm huge on the aspect of uh, setting myself up for success, um, and so being able to make sure that I have the support that I need, that I have a goal that I'm super passionate about. Um, it's what keeps me there. But um, you're talking about hab- like habits, right? Habits. Yeah, h- habits, tools, things that keep you, you know, productive, help you understand different time zones, help you understand different cultural nuances, and help you deal with, you know, let, let's face it, sometimes when you're going in and out, there could be inevitable loneliness, there could be depression, there could be anxiety, mental health, all these things. And so someone thinking about all this, um, I'm hoping that they can maybe find some of your your resources helpful for them when they come across those things that they need to keep their best selves optimized. Yeah, so I, I 
For me, it's definitely understanding my habits around creativity is very important for myself. So I, I work better when I have a little bit of time to do yoga and meditation every single day. And I know that uh, there's a certain limit that I hit that I just can't do something anymore. And and so then I can focus on other projects. Um, but I always, so I give myself to make sure that I have full outlets within my work that is super creative for me. Um, and that keeps me uh, energized. And so I think for me, it's like, making sure that I have that down and understand my creativity habits. And part of that is understanding your cycle, like your, your cycle within creativity um, and the ups and downs that you might have uh, and make, making sure that you have support system throughout that journey itself. That's brilliant. I think it really boils down to what you're saying. Self-awareness is key. You really have to know, yourself set up set up yourself for success and you know there are tools that can help optimize that but the more you know yourself in in different environments the better you'll be able to produce and the better you'll be able to show up as who you are yeah absolutely you said you (laughs) well i mean i i sorry i didn't mean to cut you off but i I just think that's brilliant i I think people don't um prioritize self-awareness enough and that's that's great that you brought that up yeah, it's it's so important, so important. Um, yeah, you ask such great great questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- thank you. I really appreciate that. That's the highest compliment you could pay me. Uh, th- there's another thing you said. You said you know you work well with big projects. Well, my friend, you do have a big project. You have a book. Talk right. to us about this. Tell us about this book that the audience can get some samples of and and why it's something that they should read. Right. Uh, so it's a short book. Uh, it's about 100 pages. It's about um, helping leaders find a way to work better together. So I, I directed the book to people who are more in top management, uh, whether you're in a startup or a larger company. Uh, but it's also useful for any professionals who are looking to carve their own path within innovation itself um, and or tweak their careers a little bit so that has the innovation edge. Um, And why is it important for people to read it? It's because I it's based off like all my crazy career adventures and um, and it's from the perspective that we need to build a sustainable planet. And here is kind of your individual path of understanding what what is required for your company. And um, and for, for a CEO, it's probably about how do you help save the company money and make more profits and have a clear sense of sustainability strategy and maybe have two more hours during your week uh, to, to, to pot, like rest maybe. Uh, or maybe it's for young professional who's interested in carving their path as a consultant uh, or figure out their way to uh, add more value to their company so that they can carve out more flexibility in their work. Whatever your own personal goal is, the the understanding is like what you need is also what the company needs. And if you get clear, if you have the curiosity to understanding what other people need, you have a great chance of understanding better of what you need and your role to play. Yeah, oh, I love it. And then where can people find it? I, I believe you sent me a link. I can actually just put that in the show notes. So uh, I'll put that in the show notes for the audience and they can click on that. But is the book called Innovation Management or? No, it's- um, Interplay. So it's yeah. So it's Interplay. You can find it on Amazon. Search Interplay Laurel Lau and you'll be able to find it. Or go to the link that uh, we'll be providing you and you'll be able to download a couple of chapters. I think it's yeah. happening. Yeah. All right. All right. We'll put that in the show notes. Uh, I can't let you go though before I, I, without asking you this question. 
So I always ask my guests my mission statement to reframe this as a question to them. Laurel, how do you use your difference to make a difference? Uh, to make a difference. Uh, so I know that I have this, this highly interactive personality when I'm in this small group environment and I might be a little bit quirky and I know that I ask very odd questions but what it gets to is helping people to be more open more transparent and giving them so much energy to uh to play better work better together i think that's good i think you're basically talking about being able to be comfortable with all aspects of of yourself despite how it's perceived and understanding and how to use that to help people become their best selves. I think it's a great thing. I'm, See? I'm glad you're rewording what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> no, I see you, Laurel. I see you. I, I, I get that. Uh, and then for websites, people can reach out to you. Do you have a personal website? Do you have a company website? I know sixatlas.com is one. Is there another way people can contact you? Uh, they can find me on Instagram. Uh, or on LinkedIn. So Instagram, I'm the Laurel Lau, and then uh, on LinkedIn, you can just search Laurel Lau. Find me. Perfect. All right. Yeah. We'll, we'll put that in the show notes. And thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been really fun. Super fun. Thanks for having me. Pleasure is mine. So, ladies, gentlemen, and gender non-binary individuals, till next time. Use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.